Murder in the North Episode 14 Alias Natural Selector 89 When a murder receives widespread media attention, is there a risk that the coverage might inspire copycat behavior? Might it encourage others to commit similar crimes, adopt the same methods of killing? For some time now, experts have been calling on the media not to describe suicides in too much detail, or to leave the cause of death out of their reporting altogether. Scientific evidence suggests that people who suffer from depression are more likely to consider suicide after reading or hearing about it in the news. In the 1990s, violent computer games were held responsible for aggression among young men. In the previous decade, the culprit was death metal music. But can murder really be contagious? You're listening to Murder in the North, a podcast about some of the most shocking murder cases in Scandinavia. Our account of these cases is based on sources in the public domain, including interviews, press releases and court proceedings. Some narrative details were seen as irrelevant to the plot and therefore left out. This podcast series contains scenes of violence that some listeners may find distressing. You're listening to a true story, as researched by Yana Argard and told by me, Jenna Sharp. An hour's drive north of Finland's capital, Helsinki, lies the small provincial town of Jokola, with a population of around 6,000. In many respects, it's a typical Finnish town. The oldest building is the wooden train station, which was built in 1874. The town's first factory, a manufacturer of bricks, dates from the same year. In 1996, the town makes the headlines following a devastating accident. A high-speed train en route to the capital derails in thick fog leaving four people dead and 75 injured. But that's nothing compared to what happens 11 years later. In 2007, Jokola is the scene of the worst ever school massacre in Finnish history. The 7th of November is an overcast grey day. The temperature is just above freezing when 18-year-old pupil Pekka Erik Alvinen walks into Jokola High School. It's 20 minutes to 12. Pekka Erik is late and has already missed his first lesson of the day. But he hasn't come to school to attend classes. He's carrying a semi-automatic weapon, a 6 hour 22 caliber pistol. He has nicknamed it Catherine. The minute he enters the ground floor corridor, he fires his first shot and kills a 17-year-old fellow pupil. Then he makes his way to the toilets where he shoots two more pupils. The school nurse tries to escape, 
but when Pekka Eric spots her sneaking out of the toilets, he runs after her and kills her. A member of staff manages to reach the principal's office to report the shooting. She warns the pupils over the speaker system, telling them to make their way to a classroom at once and lock the door. Meanwhile, a frustrated Pekka Eric roams the building, trying to open doors. He fires a total of 53 shots while walking up and down the corridors. When he stumbles upon a mother who happens to be at the school, he comes close to executing her, but changes his mind at the last minute and lets her go. Finding many of the doors on the ground floor locked, Pekka Eric moves up a level to the first floor, where he shoots two pupils before pouring petrol on the floor without actually lighting it. Back at the ground level, he tries but fails to get into the barricaded canteen where some pupils are now hiding. In the school car park, Pekka Eric bumps into the principal, who has gone outside to alert the police and emergency services. She urges him to drop his weapon and to surrender. Instead, he shoots her seven times. She dies instantly. The furious young man then makes his way back to the first floor, where he bangs on several classroom doors. He manages to get into a room where some pupils are hiding. He yells at them, ordering them to vandalize property, while he shoots at the TV and the windows. But he doesn't shoot any more pupils. Meanwhile, the police and other emergency services have arrived in the school courtyard. It's now 5 to 12. In less than 15 minutes, the 18-year-old lad has killed eight people. Police officers try to make contact with Pekka Eric and to negotiate with him. He fires more shots, but without hitting anyone. Then he enters one of the toilet cubicles, neatly places his coat and bag on the floor, and shoots himself in the head. By the time this happens, it's four minutes past twelve. A special police unit evacuates the roughly 200 pupils who are inside the school before they discover the seriously injured Pekka Eric and take him to hospital, where he dies a few hours later. Pekka Eric fired 75 shots during the 24 minutes he spent inside the building. In the bag that's found next to him, the police discover a magazine with a further 328 bullets. The fatalities include five male pupils between the ages of 16 and 18, a 25-year-old female student who was about to obtain her secondary school diploma, the school nurse who was 43, and the 61-year-old principal who had tried in vain to stop the killer. The massacre plunges both the school and the town into deep mourning. It's not long before people start asking, why? The police discover videos on YouTube of Pekka Eric filming himself doing target practice. In these videos, he also references the shooting in 1999 at Columbine High School in the United States, where 12 teenagers and a teacher were shot dead by two students. 
Pekka Eric has the greatest admiration for the way the two young Americans planned the shooting. He describes himself as a cynical existentialist and a Darwinist. His alias, Natural Selector 89, is a reference to Darwin's theory of natural selection and the survival of the fittest, combined with the year of his birth, 1989. On various internet forums, he talks about his contempt for weak people and his belief that humans are fundamentally worthless. The investigators are fairly certain that he hated himself even more than the rest of the world. In the month leading up to the massacre, Pekka Eric applies for a gun license. As a member of a shooting club, he has no problem obtaining one. He buys the semi-automatic pistol five days before the attack. At first, he had his eye on a Glock 9mm, one of the most powerful weapons available. But the police, who are responsible for gun licensing in Finland, reject the application. He's only allowed to buy a 22 caliber, one of the smaller models on the market. I'm prepared to fight and to die for what I believe in. I shall eliminate everybody I see as weak, as a disgrace to mankind, as a blot on nature. These are just some of the things that Pekar Eric writes. On the internet, he tells several people that he plans to kill himself, but nobody intervenes. Nobody could have predicted that Pekka Erik Alvinen, born on the 4th of June 1989, would go down in history as one of the most prolific killers Finland has ever seen. His father is a musician and named his son after his two favorite guitarists, Pekka Jarvinen and Erik Clapton. The family is interested in music and literature, and there are no signs of family issues or domestic violence. Soon after Pekka Eric starts primary school, it becomes clear that he's different from the other children, both in terms of his personality and his appearance. He likes to wear suits and uses a briefcase as a school bag. The boy has a lot going for him, but he struggles with insecurity. He's shy and quick to blush. It makes him an easy target for bullies, and when he's about 10, the situation escalates. His parents tell the school that Pekka Eric is bullied and called names by his classmates, but the school takes no action. The older Pekka Eric gets, the more he grows to despise his peers. He does have a few friends, but the bullying continues in secondary school, and he's called every kind of name under the sun. His classmates tend to single out his smart, rather outdated clothes. He develops social anxiety and has panic attacks for which he's prescribed antidepressants. The repeat prescription for his medication is ordered over the phone and nobody ever checks how the boy is really doing. His parents turn to child and adolescent mental health services but don't get far. The waiting list for psychologists are long, and professionals conclude that Pekka Eric doesn't have any severe symptoms. He now spends more and more time at home, behind his computer, playing mostly shooting games. 
It's at an online multiplayer game that he finds his first girlfriend, but they never meet in person and only know each other in the virtual world. Pekka Eric is going from bad to worse, and the situation comes to a head when his girlfriend breaks up with him and ridicules him online. Several months prior to the shooting, both fellow pupils and the social worker at school notice that his behaviour is changing. He's becoming more cynical and sometimes even aggressive. The principal is told about the problems, but she's not in a position to involve the parents. Pekka Eric is 18, and officially an adult. Shortly before the shooting, Pekka Eric develops an interest in politics and fascism, and describes Hitler and Stalin as his ideological heroes. One of his best friends later tells the media that Pekka Eric wants to move to North Korea, in one of his last videos on YouTube, he says, I've had enough. I'm prepared to die for what I think is good and righteous. I'd rather fight and die than live a long and unhappy life. The 7th of November 2007 is just the beginning of what turns out to be a year filled with violence for Finland. Less than 10 months later, another young man decides to avenge himself on his classmates. On the 23rd of September 2008, yet another massacre takes place, this time at a vocational college in Kauhajoki. Around 10 o'clock in the morning, 22-year-old trainee chef Mati Ioani Sari enters the school building via a basement door. He turns up in a classroom where around 20 fellow students are sitting a written exam. He's carrying Molotov cocktails and a semi-automatic Walther, a 22 caliber weapon. He's well prepared. Wearing dark clothing and a black balaclava, he moves calmly around the room. He shoots dead eight students. A ninth dies while trying to escape. Matty leaves the classroom, and when a teacher tries to stop him from re-entering, he too is shot dead. Finally, Matty empties a jerry can and sets the petrol alight. Students in the adjoining classroom hear shots and all kinds of other disturbing noises. Two of them walk out into the corridor to see where the commotion is coming from. Matty shoots at them before making his way to the language lab and throwing a Molotov cocktail inside. The last person he shoots at is the caretaker, who is injured. The total death toll is ten. A 51-year-old teacher and nine students between the ages of 20 and 26. Ten more people are injured. All the victims were classmates of Matty's. Matty flees the scene and ends up turning the gun on himself. He's found and dies in hospital later that afternoon of a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. After dreadful bullying at grammar school, Matty left to join the army. But before the month was out, he was discharged for using live ammunition during an exercise 
Matty is described as peculiar and quiet and has panic attacks that he tries to suppress with alcohol. Two handwritten letters are found in Matty's room. Like Pecker Eric, Matty harbours a deep hatred towards the world and is full of admiration for other school shootings, particularly the one at Columbine. A day before the massacre, the police receive an anonymous tip about illegal possession of a firearm. They plan to search Matty's room, but when he's found to have a temporary gun license and no criminal record, no further action is undertaken. There are significant parallels between the shootings in Yokola and Kauhaioki. The two young men were both fascinated by other school shootings and saw the massacre in Columbine as something to emulate. Both Matty and Pekka Eric were bullied for years and struggled with panic attacks and depression. During the nine months that separated the two shootings in 2007 and 2008, there were 86 serious threats at schools in Finland. In 34 cases, the perpetrators were reported to the police. Why did these two incidents happen in Finland of all places? The answer may be found in the fact that private gun ownership has traditionally been seen as perfectly normal in the country. Hunting is the main reason why for every two Finnish people, one weapon is registered. A commission was set up to look into any factors that may have contributed to the school shootings. The widespread possession of firearms was cited as problematic by the experts. Prior to the events in 2007 and 2008, it was possible for 18-year-olds in Finland to obtain a gun license. Even those without an education or long-standing membership of a shooting club, conditions that are common in many other European countries. As per the Commission's recommendations, in 2008, the Finnish Parliament decided to raise the minimum age for a gun licence to 20 and to demand a minimum of two years active membership of a shooting club. The new firearms regulations came into force in 2010 and while there may have been further threatening situations at Finnish schools since, there have been no more shootings or mass murders. From Podimo, this is Murder in the North. A new episode every week, wherever you get podcasts. And for early access to episodes and to listen ad-free... Subscribe to Podimo UK on Apple Podcasts.